Good morning, dear listeners. This week, we have part two of our series on grief. If you are new to the Coaches Cup podcast and you are starting right now, I would encourage you to go back one podcast and catch the beginning of our discussion uh, on last week's episode. This week, we finalize our, um, our discussion on grief. We talk about how you can help others move through their grief and ways that uh, we can learn, all learn to accept not only grief, but the other negative emotions that are sometimes we feel like they're too overwhelming in our lives. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So purpose was added really um, recently, right? Yes. So Uh, David Kessler lost a son. I don't remember the story, but he had worked with, I think about three years ago, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross back in the seventies. I think Mm -hmm. he said, I I knew this as my mom was passing away is when I discovered this, I didn't know. Um, So the, the one is finding meaning, finding purpose in a loved one's death. So he, he is the, an expert on grief and he, noticed for himself, I believe his son has been dead many years and it has taken him this long before he finally got to where he wanted to, um, find purpose. And he created some type of, uh, program, a nonprofit in memory of to honor his son yeah. and that finding that meaning was valuable for him. And I, I just like that so much because I think about, you know, trust or like colleges or these things when people pass away, how they, these endowments that they created in memory of, or mm-hmm. the, you know, the scholarship of this person, you know, it's, it's in memory of yeah. it's finding they can, their legacy lives on. Yes. I, but I do want to quickly jump in because one of the things, one of the ways that we do grief wrong, like we really just miss the mark here is when somebody does suffer a loss and we come in and say something absolutely horrible, like, well, this was, this happened for a reason. That Mm -hmm. is not what you're saying. No, 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 no. What you're saying is you find a purpose. The person has died you have lost this relationship whatever it is it it didn't happen for you to learn something Mm. (laughs) it happened but there is purpose that you can derive from this loss Mm -hmm. um sorry I was reading as you were talking about David's personal experience which I had forgotten this he had witnessed a um a mass shooting oh wow when his mother was dying in a hospital and that's how he, he became this grief expert, like his personal journey. Um, and he was taught by physicians, nurses, counselors, police, and first responders about the end of life trauma and grief. Um, and then he lost his son, his 21 year old son. Mm -hmm. And I I believe it was, um, anywho, I'm, looking for the the definition and in this stage they don't they don't give the the linear words on that on the um 
purpose. But, you know, I think it, it it's different for different people, right? The purpose that you find after the loss is, is going to be different um, depending on, you know, depending on who that person was to you. Um, but finding some kind of meaning that works for you to help you move forward. Yeah. It's moving forward in a way that honors our loved ones. Yeah. I, you know, I told you um, when we were talking about values, I think I've said this a couple of times, humor is one of my values mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I haven't really put this together, but when I think about my aunt who passed away and my grandfather, humor was such a big part of both of them. They were, and they're on different sides of my family, but you know, that loving to laugh, loving to um, just find happiness and joy. And, you know, with my aunt, I, I can be very sarcastic and that definitely comes from that side of the family, but finding the, the laughter, um, that probably has a lot to do with why humor is one of my values, mm. because I grew up around these people who, who find humor in life in all of life situations. Um, and you know, so there's, there's a big purpose moving forward. It helps me to honor them in mm. thinking about, you know, mowing the yard and I can laugh at myself because, they would be laughing at me. Um, I can say something <laughs> and think about how they would, you know, finding that is, that is purpose. It doesn't have to be a legacy where you're leaving money. I think that's a wonderful thing to do, but it doesn't have to be even that. Oh, grand, no. Right? no. Oh, I, you know, I, I don't even know. I, I'm sorry. One, I need to say I had a zero turn experience on a zero. <laughs> <laughs> and mine, I really thought where you were going to go with it was similar to mine. I had a near death experience. On I one. know the whole time I was, I was like, this could be the day. This could be the day. There was no laughter. I was thinking of no uncle. I was like, what the hell is this death trap I'm on? <laughs> like this. I am lucky to be alive today. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, (laughs) no, it's, 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 it was only, yeah, it it was (laughs) anyway, I could, I could spend a lot more time telling, well, we'll have a zero turn experience. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, very vivid. Yeah. So, those are the stages, but our culture, as we've already said, I've already said this probably three or four times. We, one of the things that we have a problem with is, is feeling those deep emotions, accepting those deep emotions and grief is really messy. And so people end up either trying to fix it or trying to push it away from them. Right. They're arguing with it. They're not accepting of it. They're just yes. compounding and making it twisted up with all other feelings. That's why knowing your feelings, allowing yourself to process your feelings, giving yourself grace and time to, to check in with yourself on the regular. Yeah. Because I mean, well, we could go on and on about how our bodies are going to store these feelings and where you're going to be in five, 10 years. If you 
if you're not learning oh yeah to, to manage your thinking and to check in with yourself yes it can lead to physical pain it can lead to mm-hmm. so many so many issues but you know i i was i was telling you earlier um i i have a friend who whose parents owned a funeral home uh, when she was growing up. In fact, I think it was in their home. I think it was like they, they yeah. lived in part of yeah. it and, and the funeral home was in part of it. But she had, she talked about how, um, and her father, she, she was a, she was born later in her parents' life. She was their youngest child and she was one of those surprise babies. Um, and so her father had seen a lot of, living and a lot of death at this point in her life. And she said that he often um, bemoaned the fact that we have gotten away from so many rituals around death and funerals that, you know, the, the, even the ritual of scooping a scoop of dirt onto the casket that each family member used to do that and that that served a really important function in our culture of being able to to lead to acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think so many times in our culture today, we try to block acceptance because I don't, I don't know, because well, it's messy. Well, well, because my thoughts are because we have made it impersonal because we have farmed it out yes. to the industry and, and not. And I feel conflicted even as I say this, but you know, the process of death now has become so sterile, mm-hmm. right? It's in, in, we're doing it in hospitals. I know yeah, I don't, yeah. I am thankful for hospice. Um, but having, you know, it, the process of death used to be done at home. Yes. You, you buried your own, you cared for them at home. You made the coffin, you cared for them. You decided what they would wear. The, the wakes were done at home and somewhere, I think it was around the 18th century that it became started becoming a business, at least in America. Mm-hmm. I, I did this class. It's been 30 hot years ago that I took 30 plus hot years ago, <laughs> um, a death and dying class where we learned about, you know, how the industry of mm-hmm. death and dying, um, became a business. Yeah. And this depersonalization, we're no longer, we're, we're farming out parts of this and along with it, our emotions. Yes. Mm -hmm. And not knowing what to do. We're losing the rituals. We're losing the connections that we had that, um, and part of grief is for the living, right? I mean, the, the rituals community, right. It's, It's for the living. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a communal Mm-hmm. You know, think about that word in the true sense, a communion, you know, a communion, a communal experience where we all come together. There's usually food involved. It's very much for the living mm-hmm. to have that experience of, you know, talking about that person's life, talking about what that talk about purpose, you know, many yeah. times that is so important in the process of really being able to experience that person's death and accept it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go ahead. Well, I was thinking, you know, like with my mother's passing that I remember talking with the funeral director 
And while he was an amazing person, I'm, you know, giving, I didn't know him. He didn't know my mom and it was weird. Now I can see back in the day, right. If you lived in the community and that was your, you know, not only was your funeral director, he's just not, he's just not someone I knew. So I, I can even for myself witness what it was, (laughs) um, the, I don't even know where, where I'm going with this. It was just, it was, it was very awkward mm-hmm. to have this it man. It was a business transaction. It was business mm-hmm. and he was trying to make it personal. And I know that's all part of the process. It was just, yeah, was just weird. I don't even have words for it. I just thinking about it now. Anyhow. Yeah. 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 So I have worked, like I said, I've worked a lot with, with, um, people who have experienced grief I've I've coached some clients who have lost um family members who've lost children who've lost parents um and I've worked with some other coaches back in the spring we were doing a a weekly clubhouse room on stillbirth and Mm -hmm. miscarriage Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that we talk about the healthy ways to to um meet grief and to help people who have who are experiencing grief because that's the thing I think so many times we try to sterilize it because we don't know how to fix it and so it's important to say you don't have to fix it Mm. I have a personal story okay go for it so and I'm, I'm cautious as I even say it. So I, I had a miscarriage um, when, when Don and I were first married and I w- was running my business. And, um, you know, my dad is an amazing entrepreneur. He was my business partner. You know, I would not be where I'm at today without either one of my parents. So when I had the miscarriage, you know, I clearly, you know, stages of shock and grief. And I don't even know what all I was going through because it all happened so quickly. I just knew that I was not doing well. (laughs) And I can remember my dad saying to my husband and my, we will talk about this often that my dad was just like, she just needs to snap out of this. He wanted to fix me, you know, in the moment, that's not, not what any of us needed to hear, but he was, he was, that was his way of hurting and wanting to fix me. And, and, and I felt of course, cause I was very young. Um, well, you know, 25, 27, I don't know. You were a baby. Oh, well compared to now, <laughs> but, um, you know, I wanted, I thought, well, my dad says, I need to snap out of this. I need to snap out of this. And I couldn't snap out of it. Yeah. It was very, you know, the loss of, well, never had a baby, but there's a tremendous amount of loss because every date, Every, you know, I knew when I was due, I knew all the things and, but the surprising thing that I did find a lot of comfort in was, um, it was a convenience store would, would be, um, a lot of male clients. And when I would tell them that I'd had a miscarriage, how many of them would say and share with me that their wives, that they had experienced miscarriages as well. Mm -hmm. This is back before the Googles. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And research was not available to me, but finding a lot of comfort and how people were willing to share that story. So anyway, I know. 
No, I, I think that is a beautiful way to talk about how we need to meet people with grief. Mm-hmm. You know, your father was uncomfortable with it because he didn't know he didn't have an understanding no. of what you were going through. And so in his mind, you just needed to snap out of it and move on. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's that community. It's that I had this happen too. That yes. sense of I know your loss and, or not, I know your loss because we all have different experiences it's the, it's the collective experience, yes. right? That we, they had experienced loss and I was experienced loss and I found great comfort in knowing I was not alone in my loss. Yeah. And I think one of the things that as we uh, opened this room week after week and had different women come in and tell their stories, um, they found so much comfort in people who were willing to just listen to them and be open to it. You know, some of them had experienced, you know, talked to people who had experienced miscarriages too. So they had that connection, but everybody has experienced loss of some kind and just feeling like they could open up because the thing that they felt most often were that they had to be silent. Mm, that they couldn't agreed. talk about the experience. Agreed. They had to keep it bottled up because it somehow made them defective. And one of the things that I thought I found so moving is that the ones who um, several of them had experienced stillbirth and they said it was so important to use the baby's name. Mm. If the baby had a name, if somebody would say, you know, I'm so sorry about Jill's death or, you know, whatever the baby's name was using that name because the power of reinforcing the fact that you lost a person, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I, I think we, the, the, the best advice I can give for people who are trying to work with somebody comfort somebody who's grieving is that you don't have to fix it you just need to be there with them and for them and listen and ask how are you oh you just nailed all three like there there is nothing better than that right there a card matters yes. physically there show up yes read you don't have to fix a thing but oh I get emotional you're the people that show up yeah. You don't forget that. No, because grief can be very lonely. It can be very, um, it can make you feel different and cut off from your community. And that is the thing that you need least when you're feeling it. Yeah. I think what I'm feeling right now is just this sense of, you know, just gratitude for the people who showed up I'm, I'm I don't even know I think I'm just getting ready to bust out crying so. <laughs> and that's okay that is totally I know, okay I know this is normal wait a minute Judith's having some feelings let's what are you feeling Judith I was just going to <laughs> well yeah, I think I'm feeling gratitude just uh, and grief at the same time for you know I experienced something and talking about it and just thinking about the people 
who showed up. So I got my cards. I got some cards sent out the other day because I'm just now, I just cleared my phone off from all the messages. <laughs> Did I tell you this? Mm-mm. And I found, um, I found a, um, so there were like, you know, 25 messages. I don't know. My, my, my box was my, my message box was full and I had to go in and hear the people who had called and, um, and the last message was from my mom back in November, but I had saved it on purpose, but I'd forgotten, you know, clearly. And it was just, you know, she's just sitting in the parking lot and jeans in the jeans in Lowe's. And I just wanted to call you. I was thinking about you. I, I love the technology that we have today. The ability to have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a gift. Truly. It was just like, she was right here. Yeah. She's in the park. She's in the parking lot of Lowe's. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, that's and that's your connection. You can reach out and, and have that whenever you want to hear it. Yep. I know I'm trying to think like I need to get this saved somewhere. What <laughs> I still, I still have on my phone, um, my grandfather, he had Alzheimer's and he lost his speech. That was, um, but I have from, I don't know, probably 2014. It's still on my phone. I have my grandparents calling me on my birthday and singing happy birthday. And I, I don't know. I need to get that transferred because yeah, it's been on my phone for seven years now or no, it was, it was longer than 2014. It had to be, I don't even know, huh? It may be like 2010 because I think it was when I was living in Philadelphia, but that is so special to me. Oh, my grandfather loved to sing. And so hearing, hearing them both (laughs) sing happy birthday to me, you know, it's, oh yeah. I, I have the last video of my mom when she was, you know, she was in hospice of, of her speaking uh-huh. because the next day when I saw her, she was not able to speak. Yeah. She would try, but you couldn't understand her. Yeah. And she was wishing my husband happy birthday. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you sent that to me. Did I? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, she didn't like mustaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he better not have a beard. Yeah. I don't like beards. <laughs> That was the best. Every time yeah. she saw him, it was priceless. It was like, you know, she, he'd had this, he had this beard for, we've almost been married 30 years. So, you know, he's, but she, because for whatever dementia, whatever she remembered him without a beard. And every time she would see him the last five or six years, darn, when did you grow that beard? I don't like beards. <laughs> like she'd never seen it before. And she says, what's her last words to him? I don't like beards. He better not have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, you know, I think um, I, I said that we were going to end this by trying to talk you into walking toward your grief when those moments come. And it is a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Emotions can, they're a lot, right? but they are exactly what we're made to feel and what you're talking about right now, the laughter we've been able to have Mm -hmm. about the loved ones that we've lost. 
That is the reason that I want you, dear listeners, to walk toward your grief. Mm. Because if you don't process it, if you try to sterilize it and just you don't know what to do with it, it's going to find you, number one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it expresses itself in, in physical ailments, mm-hmm. um, chronic pain. You know, there are so many ways that our emotions find us when we resist them. Which as we, I was thinking as we were ending and it's staring me right here in the face is the rain process, which is pretty much what I just did live time yeah. about five minutes ago was recognize what is happening. I was recognizing I was getting emotional, allow the experience just to be there just as it is. So I did, I investigated with interest and care and I nurtured myself with self-compassion and sharing Absolutely. with you, and you also that's Tara Brock's rain acronym uh, for practicing mindfulness as you feel your feelings as you move towards your feelings be thinking of you know this and something else that that's really important for me to share one of my first coaching experiences actually um was with uh, a woman who is I, I love her dearly she was one of the first people I ever coached um we just finished recently another coaching cycle. So she, you know, cycles back when she needs coaching and, uh, she lost her, her son in a car accident several years ago about, um, I think we're coming up on nine years ago. And last year, um, when I was coaching her, one of the things that she said to me several different times in several different sessions was I feel like if I give in to the grief, it's going to take over. Oh, I hear that on the regular. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. I'm going to go off this cliff and I'm never going to be able to come back from it. I'm just going to stay there. Mm -hmm. Just last night I had a client and it will, for her, it was sadness. Mm -hmm. And so like for, for the week for her, she practiced feeling her feelings on Monday you know, and that's where we've been trying to go. And she's, she's doing her discovery worksheets and noticing that, that she is in fact having some feelings, but not able to identify why she was eating and why she did certain things. And, um, it's just that very sentence, the fear that the feeling will overcome you when in fact, the opposite is true. The longer you resist the feeling, the longer you avoid it and you don't give it the attention and allow your body to process it, the longer it will persist. Yes. Yes. I, I realized true story. I realized this morning in the shower, cause I was thinking about grief. I realized that I have been grieving about a loss of uh, a community for probably about 12 years. And I had never put it in, in the thought of this is grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it kept coming back. It's kept coming back and bothering me like this little, you know, in the back of my head for so long, because I had been resisting. I just would put it away, put it away. Yeah. yeah. And in accepting that, Oh, that's what this is. That's why 
that's why I'm bothered by it then that shines it in a completely new light helps me to look at it and process it finally right so naming the feeling right naming yes. is always it's going to be helpful because it, it it gives your brain some direction and yes. explanation and one it's normal name it open up to it feel it that's and one of, it. When, with this client one of the things that i was going to say is last year uh on the day before the anniversary of her son's death we actually spent our time together with me helping her process through her grief Mm. and you know she told me what color it was what it felt like in her body Mm. we I mean it moved through her body like we talked she narrated the entire thing and in doing that it helped her release now I'm sure we're coming up on the anniversary again this year. That doesn't mean that she's not going to feel it. That doesn't mean that it's not still there, but she knows she can experience it and not, you know, go over that cliff. Right. Like you said. Right. It's very similar when I'm coaching with clients that, you know, we process right there in the moment. Like I, I like stop the session. Like, wait a minute. What's that emotion you're feeling right now? Let's name it. Yes. Where do you feel it? You know, allowing it, witnessing it and, and they process through. And then I, at the end, I'm always able to come right back and say, you know, this is what processing and how do you feel now? Right. And see, it didn't carry on. That's how long a feeling will last. Just like now I'm like not feeling grief. I process through that emotion anyway. and it will come back and it will come back. Process it. And that's okay. There's no time limit on how long it lasts. There's no time limit on how long you feel it. How many, you know, if a year from now, if you're still doing that, you're still doing that. Because of, because why Sonia, because of my thinking, I'll be thinking about my person, whatever it is that I'm grieving. When I'm having sentences in my brain cause a chemical reaction in my body. Yeah. That's all it is, folks. So please (laughs) don't resist it. Walk toward it. And in doing that, you'll find that when those happier moments come in, you'll also feel the contrast Mm -hmm. of those moments at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. So kind of a heavy topic, kind of, kind of (laughs) a bit, just a bit, but so important for for us to all I think talk about think about accept we're going to be there and if and if we're not there we know somebody who is so for sure um and that again we all process differently and that men may process differently than women women may be more verbal men may not be more as verbal and that's okay too yep Many times as women, I think where we fall short is we think that men need to talk about things like oh we do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, that, that is so can, funny. So true. Yeah. And they don't have words, y'all. <laughs> they don't have them. <laughs> and bless their hearts. How often do they wish we didn't have them? but just realize there's no, there's no right way. There's no recipe that you follow, no instruction sheet that you follow. Yeah. All right. Well, nobody I'd rather talk about grief with than you. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was really, yeah, it was really nice. And I, I, the discussions we have, yeah. <laughs> but I well, don't the idea of a zero turn podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the full story. I didn't tell you all of it, but just, just the highlight reel. Um, anyway, if you are looking for coaching, um, you can find me at soniagreencoaching.com and I would be happy to, to work with you um, on, on whatever. I typically work on women, uh, work with women uh, on confidence and um, imposter syndrome, but I also work with women on grief. I, you know, it, it kind of surprised me how many clients I've had who we end up talking about grief and I, it's, it's very powerful to help people through the process. You know, Sonia, without, without saying we do what we do because we, we have a, a passion, a heart for service, for being yes. there for others to shine a light on the path. And on a similar uh, note, like while people may come to me to, to coach on weight loss, I, I and I want, I want to let the big secret out of the bag y'all, because it, <laughs> tell you like, preach they will yeah. they will always say like but I'm not losing weight you know this there's this big thing like they think that other people who are getting coached are having like this miraculous things going on but here's the thing we're coaching on this right here like you follow you make your plans and why are you overeating and what are you feeling here and this this is the work this is so, the work you want to work with me, you find me, you just Google Grin Crabtree. I'm with uh, one of the amazing coaches, the No BS Weight Loss Program, and I'm part of the one-on-one program there. And I'll coach you on anything, anything you want to, I'm going to coach you on what comes up in between you and your weight loss goals. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly <called> life. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is the big secret. Um, it's all, no matter what coaching we do, it all comes down to our thoughts yep. and feelings. Yep. All right. Well, folks, I would also ask that if you love this podcast and find the value in it that we do, please give us a review. Um, we want to bump our reviews up because other people find us when you give us one of those five-star reviews. So if you will help us, we appreciate it. We've kind of, we've doubled our reviews recently, so I appreciate that, but let's get them even higher so that everybody can join in on, on these great discussions that we have. I, 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 am always just blown away how smooth you are with words, Sonia. <laughs> it's so good. I know what, on, I do. what am I supposed to say? Get in there y'all. Come on, express yourself, get your voice out there. That's right. That's well, right. It could be a four and a half star review. We're okay. Care, care because you care. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Bye.